everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. I'm Tim Ryder. Uh, back with us is Jacob Resnick of Metsmerized and Mets Miners. Jacob, how's it going, man? Good to be back. School year is uh, in full swing, so you know I kind of have to delegate my uh, responsibilities. You know to pr- prioritize, um, but you know baseball season's uh, sadly over. Hot stove is uh, about to heat up, and what better time to hop hop back on the podcast? Yeah, man. Oh, we're at any time you're available. We're happy to have you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that World Series. I know a, a couple of a couple of folks are saying it was boring. Um, I thought you know maybe the games weren't as close, but they were still high drama. Um, it, 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 timely hitting. Uh, uh, I know we heard this word all all season with the Mets, but resiliency. Um, and it just this whole back and forth, you know, road teams. And it just, it was a lot of fun. I know Rendon had a terrific series. Uh, Juan Soto had a good series. Adam Eaton, who Mets fans just love to hate. Um, he had a very, very clutch series. He had like a 993 OPS, six RBI, two home runs. Um, Patrick Corbin really, really impressed me. I know the Mets beat him up a little bit this year, but boy, he was, um, any role they used him in. It was just uh, a lot of fun. It was a fun series, and I don't even mind the Nationals winning. What, what were your thoughts, man? What were your takeaways? It was certainly fun to watch, and the starting pitching was very good. Um, but then the bats would just wake up for either team at the right time. Um, the Nationals, they're very dangerous. Um, we saw it, and they have so many ways to to beat you in that lineup. And of course, it was Howie Kendrick defying father time once again, um, being able to come through and, and get the, the go ahead home run, uh, Juan Soto, man, I, as a baseball fan, I'm looking forward to, to seeing him for years to come as a, as a national East Mets fan. Uh, I'm, I'm scared of what Juan Soto is going to do to the Mets over the next decade plus. Um, and, you know, Houston, we'll see. They, they uh, you know, likely won't have Garrett Cole again next year, but their core is, is young. Uh, their offensive core is young, um, and, and they'll likely have them for, for years to come. So, um, you know, I, it wasn't the, the outcome that I preferred, and I think we've talked about it many times, and, and I'm on the side of, uh, you know, I prefer uh, – not to be reminded of the the World Series champions twenty times a year, I'd rather leave that in the American League. You know, if the Mets aren't going to win it, leave it in the American League. That's fine. Um, but you know, the Nationals they did a good job of of uh, pulling on the uh, on the heartstrings of, of baseball fans everywhere. Oh, definitely. And I guess I was talking about this with Josh from MMO last week on the show. Um, it's funny how once the once the season ends, I kind of just lose my, I don't lose my allegiances, but um, those lines get very, very blurred. Uh, I just appreciate the the high level of baseball. I think the postseason was very fun. I think Flushing needs this on a pretty consistent basis. Um, we all remember how excited the place was uh, four years ago. Um, the Mets need to be back. And I think that particularly the Wilpons can take a cue from the Nationals. See, th- this is what struck me today. The Nationals are most likely, like we said, they, they're they're probably losing Rendon. 
Um, Strasburg has the option to uh, has the ability to opt out this year. Um, I don't want to say they put all their eggs in one basket, but they got their title. Are they as committed to making a run and spending a whole lot of money to do so in bringing Rendon into the into the fold? Um, you know, do you go and chase that championship? Because I mean, look at the Mets; they have a young core. You look at the Nationals. Um, that a young, youngish core. You have Soto, you have Turner, um, a very expensive rotation. Uh, you know, there are, I just think there's takeaways for the Mets as far as the blueprint that the Nationals put out there. Um, I'm thinking that this should motivate, it should motivate the Wilpons to, uh, to want to compete. I guess someone made a point today. I saw it floating around on Twitter. Um, this is the first time. I guess the Mets are the only team in the National League East. Um, are the longest World Series drought in the National League East, I should say. Uh, you know, will the Wilpons react to this? Like, you know, Fred Wilpon has been so animated when the Yankees make a big move. Is he going to react the same way? Like, oh, the Nationals are winning. Is, is this even a, you know, I guess is it even a question anymore if they're going to do it? They should do it. But do you, do you foresee any change of course well we don't even know what the original course was but right do you see this being a a, a motivation factor heading into the offseason you know the way i look at it and the way compared to the way i've seen it talked about it you know the mets don't need to be looking up to the nationals you know they don't need to be saying like this is you know the franchise we aspire to be because honestly player for player the, the mets might even be you know on paper, a better team. And they beat them more, you know, 12 times in the regular season. They matched up with them very well this year. Um, and it just feels like with the the core the Mets have built, they're just one major impact offensive piece away. And we always say this every year, they're one impact piece away from, uh, you know, being a legitimate contender. Um, as far as kickstarting the Wilpons to, to make that move, um, I would hope that they were watching and saw what Anthony Rendon did in the postseason and realized that, uh, you know, there, there's an opening at third base going into next season. Uh, and he's, he's going to be there and, and they just have to open up the checkbooks and, and get that done. Oh, um, back up, back up the truck for Rendon. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, it, you just, you got to do whatever it takes if you're, if you're serious about winning. Oh, I think the Astros, he, he's, he's from Houston, correct? Uh, he went to college in, in at uh, Rice. If I'm uh, not oh okay, saying. that's a big baseball school. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know, man. He's gonna have if the Mets are in on him, they're gonna have some stiff competition. Uh, yeah, he just he was so impressive. Just we see him all the time, but it, you know, on the big stage, that's just you know, it really makes you come just step back and appreciate him as a ball player and thank God. Oh, well, hopefully he's not in the national league East next year, unless he's on the Mets, but uh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's probably a long shot, but it, you just look at it. I mean, it just the, the potential on this Mets roster is, is so tantalizing um, between what we saw from Alonzo and 
Conforto last year and Nimmo went healthy and the strides that Rosario made and JD Davis and, you know, Robinson Cano looked really good, uh, you know, in, in the second half last year. Um, and uh, we don't even have to, to talk about the rotation because we know how good that uh, they are. Um, so it's like, you know, that one big, uh, third baseman or center fielder or, uh, you know, late inning relief arm that's going to actually produce, um, they, it, you know, it, it's not like they're what the nationals have is a pipe dream for, for the Mets. Oh, certainly not. I mean, yeah, I know. And that's, you know, there's certainly two different, two different paths were taken. Um, and I agree with you when, what you said earlier that the Mets really do stack up to this team. And if you put the Mets in the national in the national spot where the Mets, you know, won a few more games that they could have, and uh, they were in the wild card with their rotation and with their budding stars, um, there's no question the Mets would have made some noise in the playoffs. Um, I, you know, <laughs> we're looking back now because he's officially a free agent, but you have DeGrom, Syndergaard, and Zach Wheeler going one, two, three in a in a five or seven game series. And that's really, really intimidating. Um, speaking of Zach Wheeler, I <laughs> nice segue. Uh, <laughs> six Mets were made free agents today. Wheeler, Brad Brock, Luis Avilon, Todd Frazier, uh, Rajai Davis, and Rene Rivera. Um, Wheeler, of course, we spoke about this. Hopefully he gets that, uh, well, he's, he should get a, a qualifying offer. Uh, we'll see where that goes. I've seen the number, uh, four years, 80 million attached to him as a potential price tag. What are your thoughts on that? You think that's a little steep? Um, no, I think it's about right. Um, and it, it is a little more per year than the qualifying offer. Um, so. You know, I, I think if they do get that qualifying offer out there, um, he's, I, I would assume he would accept it. Um, just considering that he, uh, you know, he's not the, um, the level of pitcher that teams are going to want to risk a draft pick for. Um, I don't know, man. I when mean, he's, when I, he's, when he's no, on I know, team. but he's, but he's not at that, you know, the Dallas Keuchel level. He was coming off of uh, his contract last year. Uh, Keuchel, Keuchel came off of uh, headed into free agency with like a 3.8 ERA. Um, I know Wheeler's was a, a little inflated last year, but he had a very, very nice run for a while. And, you know, I know we've spoken about this before that, you know, you put him in the hands of the right organization with the right um right guidance as far as biomechanics and stuff and getting the most out of a player, boy, he could be an absolute stud. Yeah, no, I, no disagreements there. Uh, I just think he's been so, uh, so on and then so off so often <laughs> in, in his career that, uh, you know, I don't see any team kind of breaking their neck to, to, to make him their, their marquee signing, uh, on, on a contender. Um, but I do think the Mets need to do what they can to get him back um, and qualifying offer. Why not? Oh, I mean, I, I, you certainly got my hopes up a little, a little higher when you, you said you assume he accepts um, the attachment of the draft pick really does affect how things turn out. And that's, you know, it's a fun wrinkle to this whole qualifying offer thing. Um, I feel like the players might be coming out on the short end. I know they're making 
$18 million in a season. That's really tough to justify being on the short end when that's uh, taking place. But I don't know, man. You know, 10 years ago when guys could have gotten these long-term mega deals, and I know it's it's not always great for the game to give those out, and only sometimes do they actually work out. But, ah, you know, you feel like Wheeler did earn himself a nice contract. And with a, a draft pick attached to him, he might, you know, not be forced to accept it, but it might be the smarter business move because now once he's given one, he can't be given one again, right? Yeah, correct. Um, You know, bet on himself. Take that 18, 18-6, is it? Uh, 17, uh, don't have the number in front of me. 17-something. It, oh, okay. it went down. Oh, that's right. That's right. It went down first time, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a little scary. You think those uh, all those backloaded deferrals contracts uh, might have affected the uh, the dip? Because yeah. it's a it's a it's an average of the highest forty players, twenty players, 120, 125. I think it's one hundred and twenty five. Oh yeah, I was way off. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> no, I, I think that definitely had something to do with it. With the uh, um, you know Degrom, for example, his his deal was structured so that um, you know he wasn't making anywhere near as much in 2019 as he would be uh, in the future years. So that definitely had something to do with it. And I think this is probably, you know, one of the last off seasons that we are even probably talking about this system structured the way it is because the, the CBA is, is going to be up soon and, and, and it'll likely be, be, um, you know, switched around. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. I, I, I do think he takes it and, you know, cause I do think he enjoys uh, being a Met and playing in New York. Um, and you know, the, they always have the, the option to work out an extension after that, um, or, or trade them if they're, they're out of contention. So we'll, we'll see, it'll be interesting. And obviously everything will probably be developing kind of quick because, uh, they have to offer it by Monday and then he'll have, uh, 15 days after that to, uh, to accept. Yeah. Oh man. Imagine that. that that's a five aces right there. Let's uh, let's put a pin in that. We'll we'll have to revisit that once dominoes start falling. Um, there's a multiple opt outs. Uh, the free agent pool is expected to grow uh, in the next few days. Guys have the option to opt out. Um, one guy who I want to talk about Mets related. Well, I guess the other guy's kind of Mets related, but an offshoot. Juan Lagares, uh, due to make nine point five million next year. Nine million next year. Uh, the Mets have the option to buy out that, uh, buy out his his twenty twenty option for half a million. Uh, we can all pretty much assume that's going to happen. Jacob, do you have do you loan any credence to the idea of the Mets bringing back Lagaris on a very low risk bench role to serve his purpose as a you know a top end uh, glove and a guy who can. <laughs> hit in in surges <laughs> i know he goes very very cold once in a while but uh he had two stretches this year almost month-long stretches in august and september where he had ops's of 809 and change um you know when he finds a groove and when he plays regularly we certainly see an uptick in his offensive production uh you have to wonder whether the mets one whether there's going to be a market for Juan Lagares. And two, if uh, both parties are interested in a reunion and if there is a roster spot for him, you have any any thoughts regarding that? Yeah, honestly, I think the the Juan Lagares ship has sailed. Um, you know, honestly, there's some sentimental value to him being the, uh, 
you know, the longest tenured Met on the roster. Um, but you know, he, he's not really, um, providing much and, you know, even his, his defensive numbers really aren't even near where they had been. And I know oh, he no, was, you're right. he was, he was gold glove level. And obviously to expect someone to keep that up, uh, is, is, uh, you know, not, not, you wouldn't expect that. Um, but he, I mean, he posted a negative defensive run saved in center field last year. Um, his, uh, you know, he, he just doesn't look like he has the same range that he did. Uh, and he's only getting older. He's going to be on the wrong side of 30 next year. And just given how little offense he provides, I mean, I can't see them uh, spending a roster spot on, on keeping him around. Well, one, you're breaking my heart because <laughs> that's I what I'm here seeing for. <laughs> back. And two, I take high offense at the term wrong end of 30. Hey, <laughs> sports and real life are, are on different spectrums. Uh, real quick off topic. What age? Well, I saw this on Twitter and I thought it was a good question. What age group do you consider uh, middle aged? 30s, 40s or 50s? Huh. Interesting. Um, Mind blower, right? Yeah, probably. Uh, I would go from 35 to 50 is middle aged. That's that, fair. That's what I would say. Well, F me. I'm middle aged then. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. All right. Moving forward. Uh, another guy who already opted out, Yasmani Grandal. Uh, the Brewers had the option to, uh, they had a mutual option to come back for $18.25 million next season. And Grandal chose to decline the, uh, the option, making him a free agent. Um, Wilson Ramos, who the Mets turned their attention to last year after Grandal reportedly spurned their offer of four years, 60 million. Uh, Mets signed Ramos. Ramos had a fine offensive season. Uh, I think they were looking for a little more pop out of the, um, out of the catcher's position. And uh, they certainly got it, not necessarily power, but that they got a higher average than they were, had accustomed, been accustomed to getting from Darno and, and, and Plowecki. So uh, there was a plus there, but on the defensive side, he was, you know, statistically one of the worst uh, defensive catchers in all of baseball. You turn your attention to a guy like Grandal, Grandal, who was uh, Fangraph's framing metric. Um, he was 17 runs above average. Uh, that was best in the majors by uh, a long distance. Um, Ramos is only making, I guess, ooh, nine and 9.25 next season. He has an option that could be bought out for $1.5 million for 2021. Do you see the Mets looking towards an American League team to, or maybe not even solely an American League team, but do you see them moving Ramos to at least try to accommodate um, bringing Grandal in? They always, since Van Wagen has come on, he's talked about um, strengthening defense up the middle. And I think this would be a just a, a great opportunity to to make that a, 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 a you know make that dream real. Um, Grandal's a, a heck of a player. He might not bring the offensive consistency that Ramos did. And I know Ramos took dips at points, and he had a very very nice stretch where uh, a legendary stretch where he was uh, hitting pretty much everything in sight. But um, you know when you find that median 
there's probably a 30-point gap in their batting average. Uh, Grandal gets on base as a very high clip. You think he had 380 on base percentage last year, so that's um, certainly appealing. But on the defensive side, I mean, he's one of the premier guys in the game. Do you see this as a realistic route for the Mets to take? Um, I, I can't envision it happening. Um, I guess it's within the realm of possibility, but, you know, Grandal wouldn't have opted out of, you know, a guaranteed $18 million if, um, if he thought that he would make less than that. And just considering Wilson Ramos is on such a, I guess a team friendly contract, he's making under $10 million next year and then has a, an option for 2021. Um, you know, I, I don't see anyone taking Ramos in a trade unless you're attaching some prospect of value to him. Um, and with Grandal, I mean, I, I feel like the secret's out on him and he's valuable offensively. He's one of the best defensive catchers in the game. He switch hits. Um, so, you know, I, I like I said, possible, sure, likely, probably not. I mean, you know, and, and Ramos provided enough with the bat last year. The defense was horrible, and I I would hope that they would upgrade in that position, but just considering they already have him, um, you know, build him as a as a big signing last offseason, uh, and they're not paying him relatively that much. Um, I, I, I just don't see it happening. You know, I would <laughs> – it's, it's, it is very tough to justify – let's say an extra eight to $10 million a year than you would be spending on Ramos to give to Grandal just for that defensive production. And yes, he's a, he's a very, very accomplished offensive player, but um, it's tough to justify, especially this organization going out and spending that type of money to improve one, one position that, you know, defensively was atrocious, but offensively certainly, um, Ramos was a, a contributor last season and he, he played a, a role and he, he played more than I think anybody anticipated him to. I think they, they pegged him at 120, 120 games they were hoping out of him. And he, he caught, I think, 136 or 138. I'm pulling that number out of thin air. I might be a, a few <laughs> games off, but, um, I, you know, he, it, it's it's a tough call. It's a lot of money to spend on a defensive uh, upgrade, but and probably better spent elsewhere if we spread it out or have the ability to get one of the um, one of the diamonds of the offseason. But I guess we'll see where that goes. Um, the Mets are still. Oh, actually, you know what? Sorry. Let's let's rewind real quick before we jump off of free agency. Um, Jacob, the Mets miners, um, they have until Monday to decide the fates of some of their impending free agents um you are much better versed in this area than i am uh would you mind taking us through that process yeah so um you know there are a few different avenues through which minor league players become free agents and um you know one of the main ones is uh by having their their original contracts come to their natural ends um so usually you know, most of those players just leave the organization uh, with with, you know, no fanfare that, you know, if I guess the the thought is that if the players get to that point where they've exhausted their 
you know, six full seasons of uh, eligibility before free agency. Um, they would have been in the majors at some point already before then, if they were worthy of it. So there really isn't any point to keeping them around. Um, but uh, this year it is interesting um, because uh, there's, I would say two guys, one main guy um, between uh, Adonis Uceta and Blake Taylor, um, two relief pitchers in the, in the system. Uceta was kind of a, a name to know a couple of years ago was in, was in major league spring training um, and then had a injury plague 2018 season, but then came back pretty strong in 2019. Um, and then, Blake Taylor is is probably the more interesting one because he's uh, going to be 24 all of next season. Um, left-handed, uh, pitched really well across uh, you know St. Lucie and Binghamton this year. Made one appearance in Syracuse at the end of the year. We've talked about him a little bit on the show. Uh, was acquired all the way back in 2014 for for Ike Davis way back when, um, and he just wrapped up another I- impressive. Uh, you know, stint in the Arizona fall league, um, where he, uh, you know, pitched, I think it was 11 innings, um, looked really good. Some, some nice scouting reports came out of there was averaging about 94, 95 on his fastball. He can get up to 96, maybe 97 sometimes. Um, so I think he's definitely a guy you want to keep around. And so to do that, they'll have to add him to the 40 man roster prior to 5 p.m. on Monday or else he'll just walk free and be and be able to sign with any organization. So um, definitely an interesting guy. And considering he's a lefty, can come out of the bullpen. He was a, he was a career starter until last uh, this past season. Um, so if he can come out of the bullpen, throw with that left arm, um, just, you know, they need they need arms. So it, it's just another another option to have and, and i don't i don't see them being pressed for for roster space this year so um we'll see how many after i guess after thursday's uh free agency um i guess after the world series ends everyone became free agents how many what's the 40 man number at right now so when uh with the the free agents that just left and with the uh i believe four um players on the 60 day injured list that will have to come back onto the 40 men roster. Everything will be at 38 um, prior to any ads on Monday or before then. Um, obviously if Wheeler accepts the qualifying offer, that'll bring it up to 39. And then if, if Blake Taylor comes on, it'll be at 40. Um, but there's, there's plenty of, of, of uh, you know, guys who could be uh, casualties to the roster. I mean, uh, you look at a, a, a Drew Gagne or Donnie Hart, Chris Mazza, Paul Seawald, Sam Haggerty. Um, there, there, there's room to to kind of trim off the roster. Jacob Rain, who uh, might miss uh, a lot of next season after he he got injured. So uh, I, I don't see uh, roster space being an issue. Uh, do you see Tyler Bachelor coming back? Do you think he showed enough? Uh, he, he definitely struggled. Uh, home run ball was, was his, his Achilles heel, but, uh, he, he definitely has stuff and that's more than some of the other guys on the, on the fringes of the roster can say. So he probably stays around. Um, he, let me see if I have this in front of me, he has one more option year left. Um, so someone like 
Uh, Chris Flexen is out of options going into next year. Donnie Hart is out of options going into next year. Walker Lockett as well. Um, so those guys are probably first to go rather than someone like Bachelor, who they can you know send down, call back up as many times as they want throughout next season. Um, real quick, what's the word on um, Franklin Colome? 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 Kilome? Kilome? Sorry. <laughs> um, what's I guess he had Tommy John last year, right? He had Tommy John in October of 2018, so that okay. knocked, that knocked him out for all of 2019. Didn't come back at any point. Didn't make any rehab appearances. Um, I have seen video of him on social media popping up of him throwing down at the uh, at the Mets Academy in the Dominican Republic, which is of course where he's from. Um, so he'll he'll be something someone interesting to follow. He's on the 40 man roster. Um, and uh, yeah, probably, you know, resurfaces in double A next year and uh, probably isn't an immediate option to the major league team because obviously there were some questions with him already. And now you add the injuries on top of that. Um, but c- certainly an interesting guy. And Walker Lockett, you think he sticks around? I mean, considering they <laughs> went out of their way to acquire him. uh <laughs> You know, for for Kevin Plawecki, who uh, obviously, um, you know, some people thought he provided more value than others. Um, I thought he would have been fine as a as a backup catcher, um, but he was he was the headline piece of that return between him and Sam Haggerty. Um, and I know he, uh, from talking to some people, Lockett definitely has his his fans in the front office. Uh, you know, they're kind of believers in him having more than what he's shown based on whatever data they have. Um, he probably sticks around. Uh, like I mentioned, he's out of options. Uh, so it will be interesting to see because, you know, if he doesn't prove that he's worthy of a roster spot going into next year, they, they can't just send him to the minors uh, without exposing him to waivers first. Um, but, you know, he, right now he's, he's one of the, the main depth options for starting pitching and they're, they're definitely going to, have to address that so that isn't the case. Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, you know, they, with all the, um, I guess, moving and shaking that we should really expect this offseason, um, you have to, you really have to assume that the Mets are going to make some very, very tough decisions uh, regarding, I guess, current personnel. Um, yeah, it should be exciting. Uh, first things first, though, they need to pick themselves a manager. Uh, the third round of interviewees uh, still stands at Carlos Beltran, Eduardo Perez, Tim Bogart, Derek Shelton, and Pat Murphy, who was added to the list and hasn't been taken off as of yet. Um, you know, if you would have asked me a week ago, Beltran was the guy. Girardi went to Philly. Um, it seemed like a, a no-brainer, and they they're really kind of dragging this out. I know they want to speak to Bogart. Um, does this field one? Does this field seem more open than ever? <laughs> and after last night, knowing the Mets have a laundry list of stuff to do ahead of them roster-wise this offseason, does the manager selection feel a little bit less important today? <laughs> I mean, it's it's so weird, just kind of the way everything's they, they've gone about everything um, with the the multiple rounds and the, the bombshell candidate, whoever that was. Uh, I hope it wasn't wasn't Murphy. Uh, Cause that's, that's not what I would uh, categorize as a, as a bombshell. Jacob, but, uh, I, thought, I thought it was you actually for like oh, a good like, week or so. I'm like, maybe it's Jacob. 
I, I, I was in the very preliminary rounds of, of the interviews, but now that we're moving into the deep stages, I, I was unfortunately eliminated. They, they, need, they need someone who's going to be there from the start of the season, and, and unfortunately, being up at college has uh, compromised my chances. Oh, but, gut ridges, gut ridges keeping tabs, I'm sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's it's interesting, and it if you kind of read between the lines, it, it seems like uh, you know maybe they're waiting to this because they were waiting for for uh for bogart to finish up with the nationals uh which if, if that is the case we should be hearing any day now um but you know it had seemed like ultron was the front runner of the of the known candidates uh and and now since eduardo perez has been uh thrown into the mix and uh derek shelton as well um and bogart i i think probably has has the upper hand uh, I'm I'm still on the Beltron train. I think you you convinced me, uh, pretty pretty uh, pretty uh, pretty much to to be be on that train after after Girardi was uh, eliminated from the contention. Um, but you know, con- considering that that most other teams have filled their vacancies, and there were a lot of vacancies, and most of them have been filled, um, we should be we should be hearing within. I would like to think next week. Um, considering they kind of have to get the, the off season underway. Yeah. I mean, you know, let's say at the minimum, we get three more rounds of interviews. Uh, it will be like a round Robin touch sort of thing. Like they could turn into like American gladiators. They can go multiple directions to come with a manager, but let's do it fast. Uh, what do you, have you listened to Perez on, he's on Sirius XM, I believe. Uh, I haven't, I've only heard him really through, uh, you know, his, the ESPN games that he does live. Um, um, very impressive stuff. Somebody turned me on to it and I did a quick Google search. He really knows his stuff. I mean, we've heard him with Mike Petriello on the ESPN broadcasts. Um, I think it was Mets daddy, John Sheridan, who comes on the show often. Uh, really, I, he's kind of grown on me. Um, I'm not sure. I think that would be more of a chance being taken than Beltran, but do you have any any thoughts on on Perez? Do you think he's a realistic candidate? Uh, I certainly think he's realistic if he, if he's still in contention at this point. Um, there was a really cool video with him on the uh, the MLB Network live set at the at the World Series and, and when they were in Houston, uh, and I think it was DeRosa and someone else I can't remember was on the desk and they were kind of with uh, you know managerial type questions. Um, you know, like, would you keep Jordan Alvarez in the lineup, even though he's struggling? And how do you approach using the bullpen late in the games? And, it, you know, it, I had thought he was just there for, you know, one of the normal interviews, but it, they were really kind of uh, pressing him like, like he would be uh, as a manager. And he answered every question calmly, uh, very articulate and detailed. Um, so I would have no objection. He'd probably be my number two after Beltran. Um and yeah, obviously, considering that he's been on those uh, Statcast broadcasts on ESPN, um, he, he seems comfortable with with the analytics, and and uh, obviously comes from a, a a baseball bloodline. So, you know, all def- fame, all fame bloodline, of course. Yeah, so definitely an interesting name and one that would probably, um, you know, I've been thinking about these names. Would they get me excited for next season? And and Perez, I would say, would get me excited for next season. See, I think excited might be a strong, a strong word for Perez. Um, I'd be intrigued if they said, because at this point, 
whoever they hire. All right, cool. You're the skipper. Let's get the team up to par and let's go. Um, I'd be intrigued. I I think I would hope he'd have a a a, a reasonable sized um I guess fuse, not as far as him, but as far as the fan base kind of keep cutting them some slack. Cause I mean he played in the majors for 13 years. He was never really a um a main contributor. He was a bench guy. Um People have raved about his intelligence, his baseball acumen. Um, yeah, I, you know, Bogar is a baseball lifer. There's really, there's, we don't know much about Murphy. He was a college coach for a number of years. He won the Pac-10 Coach of the Year Award four times. Um, he appears to be Craig, one of Craig Council's right-hand men. Uh, was Craig Council's manager in college, which is pretty cool to find out. I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, you know, at this point, name your manager. Like you said, let's get this over with and let's uh, let's get to work because opening day is, I don't know, 150 days away or something. Yeah, can't come soon enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Jacob, anything cooking on your end this week, buddy? Um, I'm trying to get a, an article about the Rule 5 draft coming out soon because um, the Mets are going to have uh, a lot of interesting decisions to make uh, with that, but um, who's on the block? Know. Whoa, whoa, who's on the block, man? We we can do a little preview right now. Um, yeah, let's do, just do a little tease. Yeah, so obviously last year, uh, you know, the deadline to to set your 40-man roster ahead of the, the Rule 5 draft is November 20th. Last year, the Mets didn't add anyone, um, which is a little disappointing. Not not that it wasn't expected, but a little disappointing for, for those of us who follow the minor leagues closely. Um, this year, it, it's definitely going to be different. Um, and it would have been even more exciting had they kept uh, Justin Dunn and Anthony Kay because both of those guys um, were uh, going to be Rule 5 eligible this year. Um, if, and obviously they're in the major leagues now with their respective teams. Um, but this year, the Mets should uh, be adding at least two, perhaps three, four uh, minor leaguers. Starts with Andres Jimenez, uh, who obviously had a rough season, but uh, is has his fans in the organization and, and offers a lot of excitement defensively and uh, you know with bat to ball skills that kind of stuff uh, led the Arizona Fall League in batting average so that's that's a point in his favor. Um, he's he's a lock to be added. Thomas the Pucky is my other lock to be added. Um, coming back from from Tommy John surgery and kind of regaining his his prospect status. Um, uh, former first round pick, right? Uh, he was a fifth rounder, if I'm not oh, mistaken, out of high school. But he was, uh, you know, at one point considered to be uh, perhaps the best pitching prospect in this organization before he went went down to Tommy John surgery. Um, Ali Sanchez is uh, a maybe for me. Uh, you know, the Mets are only going to go into next season with Wilson Ramos and Tomas Nito on their roster as catchers. Uh, so it would help to have uh, another one there. Uh, and Sanchez kind of took a. A step forward with the bat. I don't. I don't think he's ever going to be anything special with the bat, but his, his glove gets rave rave reviews. Um, Jordan Humphreys is another maybe. Uh, he, he also had uh, had Tommy John surgery. He didn't pitch during the regular season, but uh, showed that his velocity is back to an extent in the Arizona Fall League. Um, uh, Sharvia Newton is another exciting name that that you know fans have known about, but uh, he's really far away from the majors, so it's unlikely that he gets taken. Um, so th- those are the main guys of you know Luis Carpio, Matt Blackham, other guys. 
Um, but definitely there will be action ahead of the deadline to, uh, to add guys to the roster. And when's the deadline again? November 20th. So they, they have a few weeks. Yeah. All right. Should be exciting. Um, I think we've touched all our bases today. I think the ball is in, uh, the ball is in the franchise's court at this point. You guys got to get things cooking. So we have more stuff to talk about. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Again, thanks to Metsmerized for, uh, for letting us uh, come on. Um, big thanks to Andrew Clodio, who still handles our production. Um, Andrew was my co-host for all last season. Uh, I was I was his co-host, I should say, because Andrew is the man. But uh, just a quick shout out because he's uh, still a friend of the pod, and hopefully we'll get him out of uh, out of his brief hiatus for uh, for an appearance soon. And uh, yeah, we'll be back. I'm not sure if we're going to be back Monday or Thursday or maybe midweek, but uh, yeah, stay posted. Keep it locked on to Metsmerized for all your breaking news as far as what's happening this week. Um, subscribe to the pod on SoundCloud, iTunes, leave reviews. You guys know the drill by now. And uh, Jacob, thanks so much for coming on, man. Thanks, Tim. All right. We'll talk to you guys next time. Let's go Mets. Yeah!